Father, thank you so much that we have this time to record in the majestic book of Ephesians. I pray that you be glorified. Lead my thoughts uh, to the scriptures that you want, the words that you want. May it be sanctified unto your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you download our free Living Truth app. Now here's Pastor Michael's teaching in Ephesians 2, verses 8 through 10, called His Work of Art. We are in Ephesians chapter 2 tonight. Ephesians chapter 2, we're going to look at verses 8 through 10. These are some of the most life-changing verses you can come across in the scripture, especially if you have a background, dare I say, in Catholicism. Uh, I have shared these verses with um, former Catholics, and I'm not here to beat up on Catholics tonight, by the way. I know that there's some wonderful born-again people in the Catholic Church, Um. However, I will say this, that they are uh, there despite some very um, wrong theology. One of the biggest issues that people wrestle with, and this is both true of Catholicism and true of many Protestant circles, is a misunderstanding of salvation and a misunderstanding of grace. And if you get this one wrong, you will live on a roller coaster of spiritual highs and lows which God did not intend for you to be on. So these verses are verses that if you have good understanding of them and you live in the reality of them, they take away away fear, doubt, and the inevitable ups and downs of our performance. Scripture is clear. The price has been paid in full. It is by grace that we have been saved through faith. It is not of ourselves. It is the gift of God, okay? That's what we're looking at tonight. I I heard a story about a church that, actually there was a circuit of churches and they would meet for a communion service once a month and they would kneel at this rail uh, during the communion time and next to one another was a judge and an ex-convict. The judge had put the ex-con away for seven years for, I think, burglary. And they were kneeling together at a time of communion in a church. And so when the time of communion was done, the pastor said to the judge, did you notice who was kneeling next to you tonight at the communion service? And the judge said, yes, I did. He said, do you know if he noticed you? He said, I'm not sure. He said, my, what a work of grace to the judge. And the judge said, certainly this is a work of grace. And then the judge paused and said, pastor, who did you mean about that work of grace. And he said, well, of course I met the ex-convict. And the judge says, no, 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 pastor, let me stop you. You see, that man grew up in a tough neighborhood, a tough home, learned the ways of the street and committed a crime. And yes, I put him away, but I was raised in a good, solid home and I was taught manners and how to be a gentleman. And I was taken to church. You know, the greater work of grace is me, not him. Because for me to surrender and to be broken and to accept God's grace was a greater work of grace than him. It's easier sometimes for people who have come from the wrong side of the tracks to accept grace. It's harder for those who have come from the right side of the tracks to realize they need it too. 
Spurgeon said, one of the great enemies of the soul of man is our own self-sufficiency. Thinking that we can take the work ethic of America and pulling up our own selves by our bootstraps, which in some contexts is a really good thing, and apply it to salvation. And when we do, we get in big trouble. And I will say to you that many, many Americans that you can talk to on the streets of Corona tonight are suffering from good person syndrome. And it's going to send them to hell. David Rosales one time said, there's more good people, quote unquote, going to hell from the 1950s than you could imagine. Because they thought if you had a white picket fence, 2.5 children and a dog named Spot, you're going to heaven. They somehow thought, you know, if, if I'm a good person, but what does that mean? Is there anybody good? Jesus said, why do you call me good? There's no one good but God alone. So it's our definition of good that we have to wrestle with, right? Uh, somebody once asked R.C. Sproul, why do bad things happen to good people? And he said, well, first let's talk about whether or not there are any good people. And then we'll talk about why bad things happen to them. So anyway, let's pray. Father, as we talk about the gift of God tonight, we are talking about your gift and your great work of art that you say that we are. We are your masterpiece. It's amazing to think of ourselves in those terms, and sometimes we don't because we don't realize how much uh, you have invested in us, how much you love us. You saved us by grace. It's a gift of God, and now you are working, and you call us your poema, your work of art. And Father, to be perfectly blunt, speaking for all of us, we often don't feel like a work of art, especially first thing in the morning. (laughs) We can feel like anything but that. But that's what you say of us, and we need to see ourselves in the light of what you say. We need to see ourselves through heaven's eyes, and it can be so difficult for us, Lord. We can be our own worst critics. We can beat ourselves up. We can wonder if we've done enough, but Uh, Tonight, I think we'll settle the question that you've paid it all. All to you we owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. You washed it white as snow. Thank you for who you are, what you've done for us. Guide us by your Holy Spirit, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now let's backtrack because Paul goes back and tells us the dilemma of all humanity. I told you that Ephesians 2 verses 1 through 3 mirror Romans 1, 2, and 3, the chapters 1, 2, and 3 in Romans. And Paul says, and you, Ephesians 2, 1, were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, and we identified that as Satan, of the spirit that is now working, he's at work in the sons of disobedience. Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, not only the flesh, but of the mind, we were hostile toward God. And we were by nature, very important concept here, by nature, in our very being, we come out of the womb this way, children of wrath, even as the rest. But God, Ephesians 2, 4, being rich in mercy, Paul now emphasizes God's intervention because of his great love, His motivation was love with which he loved us. It's personal. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. And then he begins to hint at what he's going to explain in verses eight and nine. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up with him 
and seated us with him, that is with Jesus, in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, in order that in the ages to come, he might show the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. And then he explains verse 5. He says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. The greatest enemy to human souls is the self-righteous spirit which, which, men, which makes men look to themselves for salvation. Close quote, that's C.H. Spurgeon. By grace. Now, what is the word grace? Well, grace is charis in Greek. If you're interested in Greek words, it's C-H-A-R-I-S, transliterated into English. It means basically unmerited favor. And when you think of that combination of words, unmerited means you didn't earn it, you don't deserve it, It's simply given by the one who bestows the grace. So the word is charis. It it can be explained this way, the love of God going out toward the utterly undeserving. It speaks of graciousness. If you look it up in in a lexicon, you will see the idea of favor on the part of the giver. Benefit, favor, or grace. One way to think of grace is benevolence bestowed. When somebody is benevolent, they simply give, not because they expect something back, but because they want to show grace to somebody else. And it's beautiful when you receive a gift where there's no strings attached, but it's very rare. But in God's economy, this is the way he has decided to set up salvation. Salvation is wholly dependent on God. There is not one single thing that you add to your salvation except You brought your sin to it. That's it. Everything was done by Jesus Christ. It is paid in full. That's why we celebrate John 19.30 on that cross when Jesus said in a single Greek word, tetelestai, it is finished. They used to stamp bills of ladings in the ancient world with tetelestai, the single Greek word for the three English words there. It is finished, or you could say paid in full. Now, for those of you who have some years under your belt, you know, you still have the little coupon book when you uh, got a car loan and you used to tear the little coupon out. Now the young people are saying, what in the world are you people talking about? But anyway, you got this coupon book and all your payments would be in this book. And so you'd write a check. People don't really do that anymore either. And you take the little coupon and you would send it to the lender. And then you get about a quarter way through that book. And then, you know, 20 years later, you get to the end, the last payment. And you send that in. And it was like, Eureka! And then the next week, your car would break down. You have to get a whole new coupon book, right? That's the way it seems to be. You know, credit cards are called revolving debt for a reason. You know what revolving debt means? It means you're never going to pay that thing off. If you want the idea of revolving debt, and credit cards are sometimes 18 to 20% interest, Revolving debt, just think of, you know, those doors where you can just keep going around and around. That's what revolving debt's about. If you make the minimum payment, I think it'll take you 30 years or something to pay off a credit card. It may, may be more. So if you're making the minimum payment right now, you might want to rethink uh, the, the whole credit card thing. See, that's the way of the world. It's revolving debt, and it spills over into religion. There's an idea in Catholicism, Catholicism called gratia and fuchsia. Those are Latin words, and it means that grace is infused based upon your performance and based upon your participation in the Mass. That's why Catholics jam into churches every Sunday 
because they have to participate in the Mass to receive extra grace. If they were to die without going to the Mass, they can be in trouble with God. And so these are things that they believe they must do. So grace is infused. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Thanks for tuning in to Walk in Truth today. Did you know there's more where that came from? Download the Living Truth app to listen to more of Pastor Michael's teachings whenever you want. You can even watch videos. And if you're local to Southern California, you can get updates on church events, new studies, and more. Download the free Living Truth app today. Producer Rob Newton here, and on behalf of Pastor Michael and the Walk in Truth team, thank you so much to our financial and prayer partners. Whether you have given a one-time donation or you have become a monthly partner, you have contributed to our mission to reach out with God's truth to all people and helping listeners like you apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You've heard that before, right? Well, we mean it. Thanks to our financial partners, we have added three new radio stations this year. Our prayer is to bless our new listeners the way we have hopefully been a blessing to you. If you're a long-time listener, would you please consider becoming a $5 a month partner? That may not seem like much, but every little bit makes it possible for us to continue our broadcasts, podcasts, and free apologetic events. Please become a partner giving at least $5 a month. Visit walkintruth.com to donate or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. You know, credit cards are called revolving debt for a reason. You know what revolving debt means? It means you're never going to pay that thing off. If you want the idea of revolving debt, and credit cards are sometimes 18 to 20% interest, Revolving debt, just think of, you know, those doors where you can just keep going around and around. That's what revolving debt's about. If you make the minimum payment, I think it'll take you 30 years or something to pay off a credit card. It may, may be more. So if you're making the minimum payment right now, you might want to rethink uh, the, the whole credit card thing. See, that's the way of the world. It's revolving debt, and it spills over into religion. There's an idea in Catholicism, Catholicism called gratia and fuchsia. Those are Latin words, and it means that grace is infused based upon your performance and based upon your participation in the Mass. That's why Catholics jam into churches every Sunday, because they have to participate in the Mass to receive extra grace. If they were to die without going to the Mass, they can be in trouble with God. And so these are things that they believe they must do. So grace is infused. So I'll give you an example. I'm going to borrow somebody's glasses here, but uh, I'll take my cup and drink my water. Oh, that was good. So grace is infused. So here's how it works. So you're having a good day. You said your prayers. You read your Bible. You helped somebody out. Here's some grace. Nice job. Oh, oh, you, you helped the little lady across the street. Wonderful. Oh, you were nice to that person, and you said a prayer. Great. Good job. There's grace for you. Oh, I'm sorry. You got angry on the freeway. There goes your grace. Oh, you didn't say your prayers today. Sorry. There's a, and so all of a sudden you lose it. How do you get it infused? Well, you just start doing the right thing again. You go to the mass, you get it back. And then you blow it and make a mistake and have a bad thought. And then you lose it. And this is how it works. It's this constant in and out, up and down, never certain. Now, I say this out of compassion. I grew up 
Italian Roman Catholic. Okay, I'm saying this from firsthand experience. If you ask the average Catholic person, if you die tonight, will you be in heaven? They will say, I don't know. They don't know. You know why they don't know? It's because they don't understand grace. They think that their destination is based upon their performance. And if it were, we would all be doing what many of the cults do. Many of the cults that come to your door, Jehovah's Witnesses, do not come to your door for you. They come for them. There's a story James McDonald told one time of a Jehovah's Witness that came to his door and he rang the bell and James opened the door and said, I just have one question for you. Are you here for me or for you? And honestly, the Jehovah's Witness would have to say, I'm here for me because I need to mark that I came to your door so I earned enough merit so Jehovah will remember me on the day of resurrection and hopefully resurrect me into a paradise earth because they think if they don't do enough good things, Jehovah will annihilate them. And by the way, the average Jehovah's Witness walking around believes that even if they did enough good to enter into the millennial kingdom, the thousand-year reign of Christ, God at any moment could annihilate them in that kingdom if they blow it. So you're walking down the street one day and you do the wrong thing and poof, you're gone. Now that's the understanding of much of the world's religion. It is performance-based. And the unique thing about the Christian faith is God says no. You can't add one thing, not a half a percentage point to your salvation. It is paid in full. All you must do is receive it. Grace is a beautiful word. In in the Hebrew picture language, the word for grace means the fence or to fence or protect life. And it is a synonym for favor. And it comes from the root chanan, to be inclined toward or to favor And Dr. Seekins defines it this way, we lean toward, give compassion to, stop and make camp with what is acceptable to our eye. As this word shows, anything or anyone who finds favor will be seen as beautiful, graceful, acceptable, or favored. It means, grace in the Old Testament, to find favor or grace in the eyes of someone and thus find acceptance. Now listen to these examples. The word is used of Noah in Genesis 6, 8, and Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. It's used of Abraham in Genesis 18, 3, when the angels and the Lord stopped at his tent. It's used of Lot in Genesis 19, 19, as he's being pulled out by the angels, he found favor in the eyes of the Lord. It's used of Jacob before Esau in Genesis 33, 10 through 12. It's used of Joseph in the eyes of Potiphar in Genesis 39.4. It's used of Israel's favor in the sight of the Egyptians when they gave him the articles of silver and gold in Exodus 3.21 and 11.3. It's used of Gideon in Judges 6.17. And it's used of Ruth before Boaz. Ruth found favor as a foreigner in Boaz's eyes in Ruth chapter 2, verse 10. The word in the Old Testament, do you see it? It's to find favor in the eyes of somebody when you don't expect to find favor. That is the word for grace. Grace is favor on the part of the giver, unexpectedly, unmerited. He just decides to give it. We found favor in the eyes of the Lord. That's why you're sitting here tonight. 
Because at some point in your journey of life, by the grace of God, God called you and saved you. It is by grace that you are saved. Notice, but the vehicle is through faith. Look at verse 8. For by grace you have been saved. God saved you by grace, but it comes through faith. In other words, grace is appropriated through faith. Now you say, what does that mean to be appropriated? It means to be received. Grace is a gift, but a gift must be received. If I said to you, I'd like to give you these eyeglasses, and I set them before you, and you did not receive the gift, they would not be yours. You must receive grace to be saved. And unless you receive it, it is not yours. God wants the world to be saved, but if we refuse grace, we will not be saved. Now go to Romans chapter 5. Romans 5, look at verse 1. Just a few books back. Romans 5, verse 1. Therefore, having been justified by what? By faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, it is by grace that we are saved, but we must appropriate it through faith. Go to Romans 10, look at verse 9. Romans 10, verse 9. It says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you what? You shall be saved. For whoever, look at verse 13, will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. There is a response of man, and it is the Greek word pistis here, uh, to place your faith in, to place your reliance upon, to trust in. True saving faith is belief combined with trust. Now, I want to give you three Latin words that Professor Hawkins used to give us in a class, and they are these three words, if you want to write them down, notitia, ascensus, and fiducia. Now, if you don't care, don't worry about it. <laughs> take your best shot, because I'm not going to take time to spell them. Notitia, ascensus, and fiducia. Now, notitia, N-O-T-I-T-I-A, is raw information or data. A census, just like it sounds, means to assent to a set of facts. I agree that is true. But fiducia means to place your trust in. Notitia is necessary but not sufficient. A census is necessary but not sufficient. You must cross the line into fiducia to be saved. You've been listening to His Work of Art, Part 1 on Walk in Truth. That was Pastor Michael's teaching in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. Remember, if you missed any part of today's program, you could listen to Walk in Truth on the Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Pastor Michael would like you to mark your calendar for August 22nd for our next 633 event. More details to come, and we're very excited to let you know who our next guest speaker will be. But for now, remember August 22nd. Our 633 apologetic events are free for you to attend, both in person and on our live stream. We open the floor so you can ask questions too. So if you've not seen one of our 633 events, you can watch previous ones on walkintruth.com. Now here's Pastor Michael. Well, it's really important that we have Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 square in our minds. What does that mean? We're saved by grace through faith. It's not the result of works lest anyone should boast, but we're created or recreated unto good works. What does that mean? It means that we are God's work of art 
And the works that we do are in response to his saving grace. And they are, you could say, fruits that come from the root of grace. So works should be the fruit. Grace is the root. And when we keep that in mind, we understand that we're not saved by works, but works certainly show that we're genuine. And of course, there's going to be seasons in your life where maybe you feel a little parched and there's going to be times in your life where there's more of a crop, so to speak, than other times. But we want to see, we want to see that fruit 30, 60, 100 fold coming out of our lives. And that won't have to be forced, brother or sister. When you're abiding in Christ, those good works are going to come out. Remember, they don't save you, but they are the result of saving faith. Well, hey, I'd like to invite you to our midweek service at Living Truth. We're going through 1 John right now, and the title is Because He First Loved Us. We do what we do because of what he has already done for us or how he has loved us and loves us. That's Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. at Living Truth Christian Fellowship in the city of Corona, 1009 Arsenal Way. Hey, the church is right off the 91 Freeway and Lincoln Avenue. And if you've been unplugged for a while or you're looking for a midweek service or you just need somewhere to fellowship or maybe you're trying to get back to church, hey, check out information and directions at walkintruth.com. Click on the church tab or call 844 48 Truth for more details. We'll see you at one of these midweek services. God bless you. And one more reminder that Walk in Truth is a listener-supported program. Thanks to listeners and church partners like you, we're now on three more radio stations. So praise God. Hey, if you're a longtime listener, please become a partner of at least $5 a month. You can visit walkintruth.com to donate or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH. And join us tomorrow for part two of Pastor Michael Lance's teaching in Ephesians 2, verses 8 through 10, called His Work of Art. I'm Mike Massaro. Hey, thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.